and welcome to Why Are You Like This, a podcast devoted to finding out who we are and why we do the things we do. I'm your host, Ryan Andrews, and I am so excited to have a fellow Oregonian on the pod this week. She is a writer and editor at Backstage. Her work has been featured in The Cut, Vulture, Vanity Fair, Out, and Twitter.com. She is the patron saint of prestige television. Please welcome to the mic, Casey Mink. That was wild. I thank you. I I mean, yeah, first and foremost, my work is featured on Twitter.com. Let's be honest about that. Um, <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. That was like so flattering. I was unprepared. I'm blushing. Oh, it's just it's just lists of things you've done. I didn't do anything. I mean, literally things that I've listed on Twitter.com. Those are, that was my Twitter bio. Love. (laughs) How are you? Um, I'm fine. As I mentioned, you know, before we got started, I'm a little bit, um, I, I, I imbibed last night as it were, because I went to the first, um, preview of the first Broadway play to reopen last night. So that meant that I drank afterwards, obviously. Of course. I mean, how was that electric? I'm guessing. It was pretty, um, like, whatever, not to use some buzzwords, but it was pretty indescribable. It was an historic moment. Um, it was it was crazy. I mean, truly, the play itself was obviously wonderful. It was passed over by uh, Antoinette Nwandu. But, I mean, just even being in the theater beforehand, like, at one point, everyone just started going absolutely ape shit or are we allowed to swear swear away okay cool <laughs> everyone i mean it's like impossible for me not to um at one point just while we were waiting for the curtain to go up everyone just started losing their minds and stood up and started cheering like as if we were giving a standing ovation and the lights were still up no, like nothing had happened we were just so amped to be back in a broadway theater it was pretty special it was oh, cool i love that my my in my imagination of Broadway reopening, um, I'm back at if then, and <laughs> and the same thing happens. And then Adina gets to walk out, and she's like, "Hey, hey it's, me. it's me!" And then we you, do it all again. You know that like that if then is is a huge touchstone for me. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Are I you more it. of a Liz or a Beth? <sighs> Starting off with hard questions right off I know, the I should have, I should have literally saved that actually for my question for you at the end. No, but go on. I've uh, asked it. Yes, I think, I think I'm a Liz. Mm-hmm. Liz is the Mets fan. <laughs> I don't think either. I think they were both kind of pretending to be a sports fan to like impress the dude. Mm-hmm. Um, Liz was the one who uh, wore glasses and Beth oh. didn't. Yes. Beth wore a blazer. God bless that show. God bless that show. I saw that show three times. I don't know how, but the it's first le- time- It's less times than I saw it, babe. <laughs> a lot less. And then the first time I saw it was the first time Jackie Burns went on. And my I friend- she was great. She was incredible. And I had a friend who like insider trading knew she was going on and that tickets were available because everybody was leaving- well, that was a big thing that happened during that show. Not to just like drudge up some cultural history from 2011, but um, that was a thing that like, or like 2009 even? God, I don't know. Um, but yeah, every time that Adina was out, the audience would be like a quarter full. <laughs> and we were like sitting there being like, Jackie Burns is incredible. And they're like, I don't, I don't. Uh, I, God, classic Broadway. Broadway. Um, but yeah, I saw it a lot of a lot of times, which isn't to say it's good. It's actually, I hope Miss Jen Colella doesn't hear this, but that's a bad musical. It's a very bad show. Yes. Structurally, um, just front to back, not good, but I liked it. <laughs> Can't say why, but I did. Not to give anybody a spoiler from a show that was, I don't know, in 1996, <laughs> um, the plane crash. I literally turned to my friend and I was like, if she dies in a plane right now, I can't. I mean, I actually will say that that for me was like the moment that it transcended from bad to camp. It only lasted for like 45 seconds during the plane where they're all like seated in little chairs meant to be rows and are like rocking back and forth in order to simulate turbulence. I was like, okay, this is actually pretty hilarious. And then it gets really serious again. It was just bad again. One of my favorite things that happens on Broadway is when they do... <laughs> Um, things you would do in a high school theater production. So if everyone's on the train and they sit and they do a little bounce, 
Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they did a lot of that in If Then too. There was like the scene where they're on the subway and they're like meant to show that the train like stopped short. And by the way, like I love Adina Menzel to the end of time. That gal got real tired by the end of that run and you could tell. And so like they were on the train and like they were meant to all like, you know, move their bodies with a jerk to the right to indicate that the train had stopped short. And Adina kind of just like did a sway at like (laughs) that in a timing that didn't match up with the rest of the people around her. And she needed a break. You know, we all do. Her train was going a different speed than everybody else's train. And isn't that just the meaning of if then? That is it. <laughs> I don't think that show had a meaning, actually. <laughs> wow, I absolutely love that the first 20 minutes of my episode is fully about if then a new musical. I really am not surprised. I didn't anticipate it, but I'm not surprised. <laughs> I was about to ask, Casey, uh, when did you start theater? When did your love of the of the Broadway begin? So I don't like broadcast this much because it's A, highly embarrassing and B, like makes me seem like a bit of a fraud, but I guess I'm just going to out myself with it now. I really didn't. And I saw it like I grew up before I lived in Oregon. I grew up mostly in San Francisco. And so we'd see like my mom would make me go see the tours sometimes whenever, but like I didn't do theater growing up. I was (laughs) a figure skater. Um, I really didn't get into theater until... This is a reveal until the 2012 NBC musical drama Smash premiered. I'm honest to God serious. And I wasn't young then. I was in college. Yeah. I was 19 years old and Smash premiered. And I, and like, I liked theater. Don't get me wrong. Like I liked it, but I didn't like follow it closely really. And I didn't like, I mean, I didn't live in New York, so I certainly didn't have access to Broadway. I was living in California at the time and Smash came out and I like, it fucking changed my life, which is so crazy because Smash also, to be clear, is was so bad. <laughs> Truly one of the worst atrocities to ever grace our televisions, network or otherwise. Um, but I loved it. And then I, I moved to New York literally by chance that summer. And it was just like a sort of symbiotic thing that happened where I moved to New York and I had just watched all of Smash. And I was like, wait, well, I'm in New York now. I might as well get really, really obsessed with theater. And here we are 10 years later. Uh, it's one of like four things that I talk about. So I love that Bombshell is technically your first musical. Okay. I said I saw a to- I saw the tour of actually my first <laughs> musical is I wish it was Bombshell. My first musical, obviously, which I'm sure was maybe yours too. Um, when I was like five years old and was carted to New York City, I was forced to see Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats at the Winter Garden Theater. What a what a, a difference of opinion we have here because Cats is a treasure, but it is also trash. And if I was yeah. a youth seeing Cats, I would not understand what's going on. I hated it. I was so, maybe that's why I just like needed from when I was five until 19 to like heal from Cats. Yeah, collective it was, trauma. Because it, it was traumatic. Yeah, exactly. No, really didn't like Cats. Really didn't like Cats. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I saw, and like, I would visit New York and I saw like one show when I came to New York and you know, whatever I'd seen shows, but yeah, it wasn't really my thing until, uh, the NBC musical sensation known as smash executive produced by Steven Spielberg. God, don't forget. Never forget. Who could never forget the first season to second season whiplash of what is going on in those characters' lives is, mm, is so if then, bad. it's if then, that's what. The- I think it might be worse. <laughs> I think it might honestly be worse. I don't know. It was, I mean, whatever. We don't need to point fingers, but there are fingers to be pointed. But yeah, smash. And now they're like going to make bombshell. They're going to like do bombshell on Broadway. On the Broadway, right? which I feel like could be fun like bombshell as the like without as long as they're not like running around and they're like i wrote pages and like throwing them in there <laughs> dude deborah messing's <laughs> glasses acting while she's writing on smash that was actually great that was actually like very good acting <laughs> you're like that is that is how you write it's just... no that's literally like give her a, an academy award even though this is tv yeah up the up the awards god fucking smash man 
so yeah, that's uh, those are my roots in theater. But I've always been like obsessed with like culture, like television. I mean, truly, like I came home every single day after middle school and watched E News, which also is pretty indicting, I guess, now of me. But um, yeah, I mean, like I've always been obsessed and like you know watched every episode of American Idol when it aired and did some voting and you know, so it's not like I was disconnected from the arts. But yeah, yeah, it took a while. I like. I liked the E! News. I liked the MTV news that happened mm-hmm. every, like, mm-hmm. 10 minutes to the hour. Um, yeah, God, what a different time, just culturally. I mean, it kind of explains a lot about, you know, why people were, well, women were treated the way that they, you know, were. They had a news cycle to maintain. I um, read Mariah Carey's book, which is my favorite thing in the world. I heard it's amazing. It's an incredible it. book. And I yeah. I wouldn't even tell you that, like, I was a big Mariah Carey fan. Like, I know the hits. Yeah, me too. And I got the book. And it's great. It's a great read. But one of the most wild claims she makes in it is that if Princess Di had social media, <laughs> she wouldn't have died. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? She's right. She's right. <laughs> She's like talking about how like social media allowed celebrities to kind of take control and not have like tabloid media be the only thing getting information out about them. Like I see the point she's making, but I'm not going to call it a salient point. And I also think that maybe Mariah Carey like doesn't necessarily need to like, you know, hypothesize as to what would have saved Princess Diana from like, an absolute trap. I don't know. You know what? Actually, maybe she's exactly the person. Who knows? Maybe she's right. We will never know. Yeah, I mean, and that's the beauty. I guess I should read that book, though. I'm just, yeah, I'm like you. I'm like a very average, like I'm a fan. I'm yeah. not, not a fan, obviously, but I'm not a, um, what are they called? Lambs? Yeah, the lambs. Lamb. Yeah, I'm not a lamb. Are you in any uh, stan cultures? Well, as of right now, I mean, I, I like love, you know, pop music, whatever, but I don't really get super stanny into that realm. But as you, I'm sure, know at the moment, because you do follow me on Twitter, that I'm just balls deep in the Kate Winslet fandom right now. And by the way, she does have stands, a lot of them. I, what is that like? Is it just a bunch of people with, <laughs> with like the Titanic hat and then other it's people who like, are like, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's just a it's like just a bunch of like young to middle-aged lesbians and just <laughs> being really, really intense fans of Kate Winslet. She's like a great, <laughs> should I just start talking about Kate Winslet? Let's do it. She's, she's like a fun person though. So like, she's an easy one to stand. Like she's very like British, but she swears all the time. She's got a big personality. So she's like, she's very standable. Um, but yeah, man, the Kate Winslet hashtag on Instagram just a lot of thirsty ass lesbians and yeah a lot of titanic stands as well there's a lot of crossover there obviously she just runs the board of i am a woman who can do accents you know to this point i'm also i'm just gonna say some controversial shit this episode let it all out i am having a moment where i am quite frankly fucking done with nicole kidman because this is someone who is not putting in the work like, you put the undoing right before Mare. Nicole Kidman could not even do a regular Upper East Side American dialect. And because she's Australian, but she's been in the business for 40 years. Then literally you put Mare after that. British-ass Kate Winslet nails the most specific, ridiculous, peculiar dialect, like, regional dialect that we've ever heard ever. And it's flawless. That's someone who put in the work. And I don't think Nicole Kidman is putting in the work at this point. I really don't. I did not watch The Undoing, mostly because I was like... Lucky you. <laughs> I, I saw the trailers of it, and I figured it out. Well, the whole thing the whole thing was a giant red herring. Which, yeah. I mean, the, sh- the show itself was an absolute disaster. <laughs> but unfortunately, I am legally obligated to watch every HBO miniseries. Ah, uh, yes. I just... I just don't have a life, so I I do. You I do take your takes as a little bit of gospel when I'm about to look into a prestige show that I'm a couple episodes behind. That's crazy, but I respect your journey. Um, <laughs> I do watch like I mean back in the day, like in the <laughs> before times, 
I am so over that phrase at this point. But like in the before times, I like saw theater so much that I really didn't have nearly as much time to watch television. But the last 17 months, baby, I sure have had time. Just rack them up. And yeah, watch them all. My TV uh, appetite is like 98% reality TV. Mm. Um, Especially during these unprecedented times. Wow. I think you're the first person to come. Did you come up with that term? Yeah, I think I I looked it up. I was trying to go for like multiple syllables um, to appear smart. It's great. It's great. It's really (laughs) good. It's a good one. I really don't actually watch, like, I feel like this is probably a surprising thing. And I, I feel like there's no way of saying it without it, like, being tinted with, like, a weird air of snark. But, like, I really don't, I'll say it this way. I don't, like, fucks with reality TV very much. Yeah. It's just, like, not my thing. But, like, I totally love that people love it. It's just, like, not my journey. Yeah. A formative thing for me as a youth was the Tila Tequila Shot at Love show. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, we could talk about that. So... From there on, I've just been hooked. Yeah, I mean, no, it's certainly like my really formative for me was actually, which is sounds so wild now. I'm just thinking about this even existed. I'm like, how are any of us not dead from eating disorders? Um, was the girls next door another e yes hit hit show? It was a huge hit, and those people forget those three girls were like some of the most famous people in the world for a minute, and like all got spinoffs. and then like it turned out like that everyone who lived in the mansion was like doing meth and there was dog shit everywhere god that man wasn't sad when he died i'll say that much no it was it was definitely like oh okay and then i just kind of went through my life right and then have never thought about him again until quite literally this moment only because we're talking about the classic e-reality series girls next door it was kendra Heidi, Heather? No. <laughs> no. One of those three was correct. Yes. It was Ke- Kendra, Holly, and Bridget. And Bridget. And Bridget. And Bridget was like 30, so she was considered like the absolute old hag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, great times. Culture peaks then. Culture peaks. Say. So what did bring you to New York? You just decided to up and move from the West Coast? Um, no. So I, I was born in San Francisco and like lived in the heart of San Francisco until I was 14. Then we moved to Portland, Oregon. And that's where I went to high school. Go. Oh my God. I was going to say the name of my mascot at my high school, but I frankly don't remember. (laughs) Um, so there you go. Uh, and then I went to college, my first two years of college at San Diego state. (laughs) LOL. If you know me now, that's just like not where like a fit for me. Um, It wasn't a fit for me then either, but I like, I was 17 and had to make a decision. And that's crazy that we have to do that. Um, So I went to San Diego State for two years. And then between my sophomore and junior year, I got an internship in New York for um, this website that still exists called Batches. It's like a big media company now, but like back then it was like very nation and it was an editorial internship, whatever came out here for just what was supposed to be the summer. And, you know, as it goes, just didn't ever want to leave. So I mm-hmm. finished um, college actually at Hunter College on the Upper East Side. And uh, yeah, I have, so I've literally just, I moved here when I was 20 and just haven't left. I finished school out here and started working. And yeah, I still just am hanging on for dear life, I suppose. That's so great. I, always think like if I was doing undergrad in New York I would have not made it (laughs) it's a it was like pretty a weird experience especially like Hunter is not like NYU like it's a commuter school on the Upper East Side Mm -hmm. like it was weird and I mean I pretty much never like I didn't do the college experience here like I lived in an apartment with a friend while I was going to school and like had an internship at like broadway.com after after my classes so like and then I would like go out with people who had graduated and you know people in their mid-20s on the weekend so like it was definitely a unique experience but I feel like I mean just working in media is such a trash shoot and it's so hard I feel like I did get a lucky sort of chance to get a little bit ahead with just like very relevant internships while I was still in school I feel like this is a job interview now wow (laughs) 
Uh, but yeah, so I've been here truly for like, I guess almost 10 years. Oh my God, did I just age myself? Oh my God, congratulations. You, 10 years in New York can mean anything though. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's true. I'm, I'm 29 and a half years old. There you go. I'm turning 30 in 10 days. Oh my God. Yes. Yes, yes, Maz, So we're like the exact same age. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah, I love that you don't remember your high school mascot. Um, well, and you know what's crazy about that? I was literally a cheerleader too. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead ass. Um, it was, let's do it. Let's do like a cheer. Like, uh, it was the Cardinals. I got it. I got it. It was the Cardinals. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Oh, Portland. Yeah, Portland. I know. I can't believe we have this Portland connection. I feel like I never meet people in New York from Portland. Right. And then I'll, I mean, only on Twitter will somebody randomly be like, me too. And I'm like, we can walk down the street to each other. Like we can say right. hi. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's so, it's so strange. I feel like there's maybe just like very different sort of sensibilities between the two places that wouldn't uh, like lend itself naturally to like a lot of transplants yeah I don't think it's like the the vibe from both cities don't they're not symbiotic they wouldn't meet in the yeah, middle yeah exactly meanwhile both my parents are like original New Yorkers and like still have like the thickest accents you've ever heard even though they lived on the west coast for 30 years now but like they love Portland yeah but they're also obviously old as shit they're gonna listen to this and be so mad I said that so <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's why they like it I do remember getting to New York. I've lived in Harlem the whole time that I've been in New York. And uh, the first time I like stepped into Brooklyn, I was like, (laughs) oh, I get why Portland, like the blueprint. (laughs) True. Yeah. I mean, that is the thing. How much is Portland just really trying to be Brooklyn at all times? All the time. They would be so like Portlanders would be so mad to hear us say that, but like, come on, just own it, just own it. You're a lot cheaper. Mm -hmm. Like people like that, and you have like access to nature in a way that Brooklyn doesn't really like. Just own your shit, but like acknowledge the precedent. I say this all the time. I do not care what people do as long as they don't lie to me. And Portland, stop lying to me. Literally, stop fucking lying to me. You and your like donuts and like your coffee. And like whatever else, your <laughs> tattoos. My God, Brooklyn did it first. It's fine. It's been around longer. No, it's literally fine. Yeah, our ancestors arrived there from, like, you know, Eastern Europe. Like, let them have that. I constantly forget. <laughs> I guess history is a concept, um, but mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if I'm so ever true. if I'm ever like down in Fidei, and they're like, oh yeah, this is a bar where like. George Washington had a meeting. I'm like, what? I'm like, cool. So that martini then? I yeah. don't care about that fucking old ass slave owning asshole. Drag him. Take this is a <laughs> yeah. this is a professional takedown George Washington podcast. Yeah, you know who's you know who's gonna be so upset about that? George Washington. He's gonna be absolutely livid that I called him an asshole, old white guy. Oh god yeah I mean actually that is I don't know going to Fidei is also just its own creepy experience all the time I feel like frankly speaking of history like 9-11 just happened in the relative history of this world yes and Fidei is just haunted with with spirits so many spirits so many spirits you cannot be in Fidei and not feel it and all the buildings are so tall so you're just like always in a shadow and you're like get off me I need to get out of here. I need to get on a train and get out of here. It's just like cold and clammy at all times. And you're like, it's literally cold and clammy at all times. It's exactly how I would describe it. Yeah. And like cobblestony for no reason. Oh, what a place. What a place we live in. <laughs> New York City. I live in um, the East Village now. Um, but I've lived like in every neighborhood in Manhattan, but I've never left the island of Manhattan, which is to say I've never lived in Brooklyn. There you go. Well, you know, another 10 years. We'll see what happens. Yeah, God. I mean, we'll see if this planet even exists in another 10 years. (laughs) Things aren't looking great. It's not looking up for the planet, (laughs) not in general. Planet, democracy, just generally speaking, things are looking the opposite of up. But nevertheless, she, as in Earth, persists. She persists. Well, Casey, you were a figure skater 
cheerleader, <laughs> media mogul. And sorority girl. And, and sorority, sorority girl. girl mm-hmm. Media mogul, bi-coastal, yeah. tenure vet of New York. And I have to ask, why are you like this? Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there. Ever dream of making your own podcast? Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor, the easiest way to make a podcast. First, it's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Why are you like this? Okay, I like didn't prepare an answer to this. And now I feel like such a fuck up because I could have come up with a good answer. And then tonight I'm going to stir in my sleep with an amazing answer that I don't have prepared right now. I mean, I feel like honestly, it's just like the absolutely non-religious Jewish sensibility that that I was raised within. Like I truly again sorry mom and dad like don't really believe in god (laughs) like agnostic all the way um and like we didn't like i didn't grow up going to temple or anything like that my god (laughs) my god um (laughs) but like as i said my parents well i actually didn't say i said they're originally new yorkers but (laughs) that's just another way of saying for jewish it's just another way of saying jew (laughs) um and yeah i mean i don't know that's it's just like I once read that like Judaism is the only religion that's like cultural, which I don't think is true, but like there's no such thing as, and there is like, there's no such thing as cultural Christianity. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, I guess there is. It's just like whole percent milk, but like <laughs> mo- mostly like there's no like culture around being Christian. Whereas like there's all this culture around being a Jew and like, uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like that insensibility is just really informed like everything about how I see the world. And then like, I don't know. Honestly, beyond that, it really is like television. Like truly television has been such a pillar in my life since I was as little as I can remember watching back-to-back Rugrats and Doug. Actually before that, watching Barney when I was in preschool and then watching back-to-back Rugrats and Doug and then watching SpongeBob and then growing on to American Idol and then now watching quite literally anything that comes into my eyeballs like yeah, I really think that television has just been a huge component of how I sort of perceive the world and what I like about it or what I hate about it, actually, probably more accurately, because I hate a lot of things. <laughs> it's a nice way to, like, find the things you like if you're just chiseling away at the things you don't like. Yeah, I mean, frankly, like, there's a lot more in life to hate than like. There you go. <laughs> Too bad. <laughs> I guess that probably tells you a lot about my worldview, too. I'm pretty sure not everyone would say that. But, yeah. Did I, did I answer the yes, question? Yes, absolutely. I, I'm going to listen to other episodes and be so embarrassed because other people's are probably so, like, profound and well thought out. Um, and I'm a fucking writer. Like, good job, Casey. You didn't plan a thing. You didn't write anything out. Well, to be fair... This is an, uh, I'm not watching you write. So this is, this is just like a free flow. This is a writer's room situation. We're bouncing ideas. It just happens to be recorded. Oh God. Okay. Well, (laughs) sorry. Thank you. I don't know. Uh, No, but it isn't. I do love a, like, uh, I'm culturally in like influenced by the religion that was like in my childhood and not something that I fully believe in Um, because I I feel like that is why group religion kind of exists. Like it's, it's trying to find 
like-minded individuals to create a community in a space uh, pre-internet where how you wouldn't have really found that organically. Right. And it's so cool that it's never caused any problems at all. It's just been exactly that. It's just been community. Uh-huh. And yep. it's it's literally, that's it. it that's the, the start and the end of that sentence. <laughs> it's never done any bad in the world. No, it's like so cool. Like people just like really like God, but like let others let them, you know? Let them be. Let them let them Yeah, live. yeah, yeah. It definitely has not impacted like you know, abortion access, for instance, or anything of the sort, or gay no. marriage, or, you know, trans trans rights, um, trans personhood, rather. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I agree. But also, like, that being said, like, it's not even, like, I mean, I love that some people have found community through religion, but, like, that's not even, that's not even what it's, that's not even what it's been for me. I've had, like, two Jewish friends my entire life, <laughs> which isn't to say I'm, you know, against the Jews. Mm. Um but like, yeah, it's really more just like, you know, there's like, like that sarcastic, like Jewish, like whatever. You just got to laugh to keep, keep from crying, I suppose. I mean, you know, people in the old days might've mentioned a man who we don't speak of anymore, who did some very well-known, he was a, he's a well-known Jewish filmmaker and he sort of, um, personified, uh, the Jewish sensibility. We don't discuss him anymore mm-hmm, though. Mm-hmm. So now, um, I guess the seminal Jew that I refer to is uh, Sarah Silverman. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, she's she's the iconic Jew now, right? I liked her her show on Hulu where she would just like start confronting, um, I'm going to mm-hmm. say idiots. Uh, mm, yeah. Because like, brave. Okay. Oh, and she's, she's fearless as hell and also has remained, like, looks the hottest she's ever probably looked now. Yeah. At like, she's got to be close to 50. Just crushing it. And it, you know, it's kind of like Paul Rudd syndrome. Like if you're just like a good Mm. person, like you don't really age. I know. Isn't that crazy? So I'm going to look like absolute dog shit by the time I'm 34. Now I'm just going to be like, when people like some big things coming out about the industry, I'll just start looking at who I think looks like trash. And I'm like, it's that person. Okay. I'm glad that you mentioned that. I'm sure. Well, actually, I'm not sure, but I imagine that you are referring to the fact that like there's been some quote unquote huge theater news that's been supposed to drop for the last, you know, 36 hours that like hasn't. I'm getting fed up because frankly, I thought that I had some ins in this industry and I had seven sources on this and no one knows what's up. I What the fuck is going on? I, yeah, I woke up. I was like, what more can we drop? Our union is trash. It's coming back. Theater is coming back uh scott rudin like i don't know they announced this morning a uh new production of long day's journey it's like what else is there <laughs> there's nothing left <laughs> literally unless bernadette peters is about to walk through Times square naked with her dogs she loves with them. all of her dogs and some elephants because she also loves the elephants mm-hmm. yeah i hope that's the big news that would take me to Times square again i actually um this is a spoiler, I suppose, but I can say it. I won't say what it's for, but um, I recently interviewed Miss Peters <gasps> on the phone for an upcoming thing, and she we talked on the phone, whatever, and then she wanted to call me back because she wanted to add something, and I stepped away from my phone, so I missed it. So I now have on my phone a voicemail from Bernadette Peters that literally says, hi, Casey, it's Bernadette. I don't know how to do a Bernadette Peters impression, but that was it. That is gold. That is everything in the world. Her, the PBS Into the Woods was very formative for me. Mm-hmm. I think that well, was- And I, I have since seen, obviously. Yes, yes, yes. I think that was my first introduction to Bernadette. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because my, my- my theater like coming into theater I was like well I've heard rent and then I went to school for theater (laughs) and went backwards um so I don't have a lot of uh knowledge about a lot of stuff but I don't either but I think that that's fine I don't know I think that theater is like an industry that like really respects its history which is great and we all should but it's also like you don't you're not less than as far as your like capabilities or even just love for the for the form goes like 
if you don't know every single, you know, lyric that James Lapine, like whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like overvalued a little bit in this industry. Scream it to the back. I don't even know if it's overvalued in this industry. I think it's overvalued with like the other gay men that are sitting in a corner at (laughs) at Glasshouse Tavern. Well, yeah, that's (laughs) that's the industry, is it not? Literally, that's where I I was last night, obviously, Glasshouse. Yeah. My home away from home. You have to, especially with characters gone. Where else is anybody going to go? I know. I had so many. God, talk about the summer of 2012. <laughs> that was that was when I was really into another amazing musical called Bright Star the Musical. Yes. I think it's actually just called Bright Star, but I just only call it Bright Star the Musical because I think it's hilarious. Which is basically just like old McDonald had a farm, but like <laughs> with... with with great bluegrass music written by Steve Martin. But yeah, for some reason that summer, every time I saw Bright Star, which was um, more than five, but less than 20. There you go. There um, you go. I went to characters after and we'd put Bright Star on the jukebox after the cast recording came Of course. Out. The fact that Carmen Cusack fully in front oh, of- Oh, say that name. <laughs> mm-hmm. The fact that she fully transforms from what, 40 to teenager by taking yeah. her hair down- that's acting, honey. That I is mean, acting. No, like I will say, I mean, I don't, again, that musical, um, not necessarily good. No. But no. that was honestly, and I've seen, you know, I've been here for 10 years now and I am in the industry. So I see pretty much everything. One of the best stage performances I've ever seen in my life. Like truly. Cause you know how else she fucking transforms herself in that? Not only does she let her hair down, she literally changes her gait. Yeah, she changes the way she walks, and it like is flat footed all of a sudden. And you're like, I totally buy you as 16, even though Carmen Cusack is herself. I think like 42 in that when she played that role. <laughs> I mean, Mama looks good, but Mama looks good, but that full transform, I was like, okay, I'm in. And then uh, they throw a baby off of a train. <laughs> Absolutely unhinged musical. Absolutely. That was camp. That actually was camp. That does cross into camp. I turned to Sean Doherty and was like, I don't do this, but I don't think I can come back to act two. Because it was like baby throw curtain. Oh, no. They literally do. They throw a baby. The entire audience stops, watches the baby fly through there. And then there's a very quick bouncy interlude that's like, and then they drop the curtain. And everyone just sitting there going, what the fuck? What's wrong with Steve Martin and Edie Brickell? Are these two people okay? How did we get here? What are we doing? Then in the second act, right before she sings, I have been blinded, she felt like she looks up, falls over. And I was like, I swear to God, if this woman is now blind. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's so funny. That actually never occurred to me. But you know what? It is that kind of rudimentary ass musical that like that would have happened laura j brown famously famously loves that moment where she falls over and actually and laura will say this it's not that she falls over her knees literally give out beneath mm. due to the gravity of the situation you know fair 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 yeah that her baby was tossed off a train yeah and is rough <laughs> and is a hundred percent fine yeah in fact he's in fact He's a successful journalist. <laughs> Literally. What a, and I will never forget that mu- That musical was quite polarizing and I stand by it was actually pretty not good. And I remember I loved it in previews. And then the night that the reviews were coming out, I was like so nervous. I was like, fuck, like these grosses aren't good. Like this needs great reviews to stay open. The Times Review comes out, saw it was Isherwood, not Brantley. And I was like, okay, good first sign. Good first sign. Literally absolute rave ends it likening it to a Shakespeare play <laughs> and I said, all right I don't know who paid this man off but whoever it is like thank you like I owe you a sexual favor or something because you just did this for me personally but this isn't this isn't right you extended this I'm excited that was not warranted but I'll take it but it's what I deserve wow okay so we've really gone in on if then and bright star those are like pretty much the two things you need to know about me just as a person. What are my other musicals? Oh, the only other one is 
obviously the band's visit. But that was yes. actually good. That, that was, was actually good. good. <laughs> that was actually good. That was a really good play with music. I really liked it. Okay. That's okay. <laughs> I mean, a play with music by definition means that the songs don't actually move the plot forward. And uh, in band's visit, they do. So you're entitled to your opinion, even though it's the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> I really did like the band's visit. I thought it was cool. I like the... Uh, I just love the way that they're like, this is a story about nothing. And it somehow makes you feel like you're, you're moving at a different speed. It makes you feel like you're like literally hot and in the desert yeah. and too tired to, I mean, I think that music, it was like so such a relief to like stand a musical that other people thought was good. Cause I'd just been so used to standing shit. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. Like if Ben and Bright Star, um, I actually think it's like one of the most perfect pieces of theater, quite frankly, ever. And starred my absolute two faves, Katrina Lang and Tony Shalhoub. So, got it. God bless mom. Did Tony Shalhoub deserve that Tony? You know, he got it. Say? He got it. He, you know he what? He did win it. He did. He win did it. win it. No one can deny that that he did win win that Tony Award. Maybe they'll fix it at the the Tony Awards that are coming around the bend. Yeah, I don't think those are actually real. I think that those are a figment of all of our imaginations, but we'll see what happens, won't we? The Tonys that were meant to happen 20 months ago. Right, I'm like, I already didn't know what opened in time, and now I'm very like... Literally, Moulin Rouge is like the most nominated thing, which opened in August of July of 2019. Great. We're doing great. Love. No, honestly, you know what's thriving? The American theater. The American theater is raring to go, ready for more. Yeah, no, it certainly hasn't just completely uh, combusted and disappointed absolutely every person involved in it. Nah. And be, you know, founded on systemic racism. But like, whatever, neither here nor there. I think it's doing well. Yeah, it's just ready. We just want lights back. We just want it to be bright in Times Square again. Curtain up, baby. Curtain up. Well, Casey, as we are winding down here, I asked this of all of my guests. Do you have any questions for me? Well, I mean, I want to ask something like more original. You can ask me anything you want. Well, I mean, I want to ask you why are you like this, but I want to give it like a flair. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> and my brain is, as I mentioned, not firing on all cylinders today. So like, um... Let's see what happens if I ask you, why are you like this? And what do you wish was, (laughs) what do you wish you did differently? (laughs) It's two, it's, it's two tiered. Like, why are you like this? Uh And what, why, what do you wish was not like you this? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. What do you wish wasn't like this about you? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it's two tiered. Yeah. Yes. So why am I like this? I am going to gear this towards like work ethic. So mm. why am I a planner, uh, a little bit of a worrier, and like allergic to hard work, but also addicted to it? That mm-hmm. I think is just public school. Mm-hmm. I also think that's very millennial. Very, very millennial. For sure. And not like the stupid way, like, oh my God, millennial avocado. Like, I actually think it's a very toxic trait that we are, like, has been instilled in us. Yeah, it's like, I, anyways, I, I would like to be working 24-7. I also don't. Um, and I think that's just, yeah. like, I didn't have to study. So, like, I don't have, like, any mm. sort of studying habit or like itch to do that really um which I think is kind of important if you're like setting up big new projects um maybe I don't know maybe not maybe 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 not. that's just capitalism brain worms oh my god yeah yeah no, I'm very, very wise I'm very wise that's probably it but I I do yeah and then re- like recently I think I've kind of like honed how I like to do things and how I need to do things um especially with creative projects um I have surrounded myself with people whom I love, but are of the like, the moon is out and 2am hit. And so I felt the need to write a song kind of creativity Mm -hmm. and that never really resonated with me. And I uh, think I am finding my own kind of path to how I like to make things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and Which is so important. It's like, I feel like that's like truly the biggest transition of like to actual adulthood mm-hmm. is literally just figuring out like an outside of a discipline, just like figuring out like the shit that works for you, whatever that may be. Which is so hard. Yeah, I don't... It's, like, impossible. It, Yeah, it's definitely linked with, like, growing into myself. Because I didn't start doing this kind of thinking until, like, 27, 28. And then, I, while all that's happening, I, if I am working in a group and uh, get lightly overwhelmed, I do know that I have a hard time, like, verbalizing stuff because I have, mm. like, lists going. Mm-hmm. And I wish that wasn't the case. Like, I wish that I could say, like, mm. oh, yeah, if I'm directing something or if I'm in charge of making something, like, you will never know that something has gone wrong. Mm. You will. I, it's not like I blow up. But like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wish that I could, like, traverse that a lot lighter. I mean, I don't know. I I mean, I, that's a good one. And I like that you seamlessly integrated part two of the question into part one. But like, I also think that like, I don't know, dealing with adversity is kind of just like, okay, it's part of the deal. And like, how you deal with it is how you deal with it. And I'm sure you're like, really probably fine. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it is something, okay. it is something that while it happens, I'm like, oh no. Uh... Yeah. Yeah. But like, Whatever. As I said, it's probably fine. I think we just solved it. Perfect. Thank you so much. This saved me so much money on my therapy this week. No, literally, I think we actually just changed the one thing that's bad about your personality, and now you are 100% perfect. I start to glow. Like, it's just, like, radiating no, light around literally me. literally, you uh, just grow angel wings like <laughs> Megan Hilty in that musical in Smash. When she runs out high, <laughs> high on steroids... She's high on her little steroids. In the in the like in between of Smash, where they were like, "This is about making a musical," but also they're gonna sing pop songs as if they're speaking. Oh my god, what song did they sing in the middle of Times Square? Her and Karen Cartwright. Um, uh, it was a Rihanna. It's Rihanna. It's like, uh, um, uh, got my Ray Bans on. Yes, it's like the yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Like honestly, I'll drink to that. Love- I'll drink to that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I love Rihanna. They chose the absolute worst single Rihanna song. <laughs> Classic Smash. Classic Smash. They said we're gonna Classic pick Smash. this one and we're gonna have a uh, super high Megan Hilty do it. Who was obviously needless to say the light of that show. She's incredible. She kind of emerged unscathed. Perfect. Perfect. My first Linda. Megan Hilty. <gasps> Oh my god, are you serious? It was Megan and you should Shoshana. Have led with that. Okay, well that's absolutely amazing. You should have literally led with that. Um mine, I okay, mine is really good too. Oh, yeah. Mine's actually amazing. My alphabet is actually top tier, like probably the most elite alphabet there is next to Adina. Um my alphabet was in Chicago sit down protection, um, on a gas tiger. Oh. Unreal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, Kendra Kassbaum, Kassbaum, mm. Kassbaum yeah. was uh, Mike Linda, also an absolute ledge. So Legends. That's why we are the way we are, actually, I think, because of that. I should just ask you that. That would have saved us a lot of time. That's it. Cut. Print. Done. Moving on. A smash, <laughs> a smash song. song. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> cool. Oh. Cool. I love that smash has just been, I mean, I was going to say smash has been like the theme of this episode, but it really is the theme of my life. Yeah. And because you're just always making, you're always in tech. And you are always making decisions. I'm always, I'm always in fucking tech. Like, I'm always in tech. I'm literally always in tech, which is why I cannot marry you because I am in tech. I can't do this right now. I am in tech. Are you fucking serious? Like, I'm in tech. (laughs) I also picture her with, like, a high school theater kid's, like, bag of stuff for tech. So it's, like, Cheez-Its and a crossword and, like... Oh God, I know. Except it's so, it's such a bummer now. I mean, Karen Cartwright sucked. Everyone knows it. But like the fact that Catherine McPhee is just like a full ass, like Trump donating Republican. It's like, honey. (laughs) Also classic. That's actually probably the most realistic thing about Smash was that there was a Trumpy person because Mm. uh, there are more than a few on Broadway and we can leave it at that. Well, there had to be something going on for her to just appear in the city and somehow end up in a uh, big ass new musical 
You know, um, this is the last thing I'll say about Smash. I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. <laughs> um, my my favorite fact in the world is that when Smash was being developed at Showtime, which it was before they brought it to NBC, Steven Spielberg was developing it for Showtime in the pilot episode where Karen goes to his to Derek's apartment, the director, and in the one that aired on NBC, she sings him happy birthday and then like pushes him away and like doesn't fuck him. Mm-hmm. Um, in the original Showtime pilot, she gives him a blowjob, and that's why she gets the job. Which actually makes so much more sense because she wasn't as good as Megan Hilty and didn't have any experience, and also doesn't look like Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, yeah. Like I, yeah, I don't. I'm not like begging for there to be another like casting couch story of that. But it at no. least gives reason to, like, we don't know who to pick when you literally have a woman who looks exactly and sounds exactly like Marilyn Monroe, and then you have somebody else yeah. who has different talents. Exactly. And to be clear, like, same, like, I, God, I, I would never want to see a show about a casting couch situation now. My God, disgusting. But this was 2009. Different time. When it was in development. Absolutely different time. People didn't get raped then. Did not. <laughs> literally sexual assault didn't exist now we know because of me too now it exists didn't exist before literally now it exists Uh, but before reese witherspoon told us time's up (laughs) we didn't know (laughs) oh god i'm being crazy i'm being kooky god bless well on that delightful note casey (laughs) this has been literally so fun so many giggles i'm so glad we got to chat Thank you so much for having me. I have no idea if anything I said is acceptable. I loved every minute of it. So Okay. Well, you are my target audience, as we know. So there we go. Um, where can the children find you? Okay, well, as we know, I'm very active on the Twits. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it's not a good place to be, um, mentally, physically, spiritually, but I'm very active there. Um at Casey underscore Mink. Um, and I'm not super active on Insta, but like, I should, feel like I should probably start being more active or delete it altogether. But either way, I'm on there as well. Um, same handle, Casey underscore Mink. And then you can see my work, you know, around on backstage.com and the backstage magazine, mm. other places. I don't know, whatever. We're all just doing the best we can, you know? Oh, uh, well, until next <laughs> time, y'all. Let me be your star. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>